great to be back at Radcliffe. Yeah. Good to see all the familiar faces. And it's great to see some new faces. If you don't know who I am, you are a new face to me. And it's great to see new faces here at Redcliffe. I'm excited to be here. And I think we had Team Australia on, on the band and Team South Africa on the talk. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is awesome. Um, I think we, we might be more Australian now than South African. Yeah, I think I am too now. Yeah, but you know, we can't get rid of this accent. It's, it's just there to stay, but you guys don't mind. Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Nikki and I'm part of the pastoral team at Emerge. And I'm also the missions pastor, which is a brilliant thing to be involved in, being involved with our missionaries and overseeing uh, the missions department. And I absolutely love doing that. And um, I'm going to share just a little bit with you today as well about some of our missionaries. Um, but let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be in your house openly in a country where we're not persecuted. So we thank you. We pray that you will be here with us. You will speak to us. You will help us and guide us. We pray that your will be done here with us today as it is in heaven. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, today I would like to speak to you about the fact that we are all unique. You are unique. Not just unique, you were created uniquely, but you are unique. There's no one else like you Yeah. No one on the face of this earth, God has created you uniquely, which is very, very exciting. Here are some unique facts from the Bible. God told Gideon to pick his men for war by the way that they drank water. Adonai Bezek cut off the thumbs and big toes of 70 kings. He was later captured and had his cut off. Ehud was the first left-handed man in the Bible. Ostriches are described as cruel and harsh towards their young, having no wisdom or understanding. And ants are referred to as wise. You probably learned something new today. The Bible is full of incredible, unique things. And I could stand you all day and just give you those, but that's not why I'm here. But read your Bible. It's so cool. So cool. I recently went to national conference, um, not last week, the week before. And it's just great because it's one of the places I get to connect with our amazing missionaries that we support. And they had a, a Pan-Asia stream this year. We normally go to the specific Pan-Asia conference every year. But this year they had it alongside the national conference. And I'm always amazed at the missionaries and what they are doing and where they are doing it. And how they have been uniquely created, uniquely placed with a unique purpose to carry out out. And, um, you know, I think of Josh and Belinda who are in Lesotho. And she went over there for work. And while she was working over there, she noticed that there was a problem with what we call street children. 
And one day she was walking to work or, or home from work and she saw this child that was hurt, he'd been attacked, and she took him home. And she contacted her, her employer and said, look, I have this child, I found this child, I've got him with me. And her employer said to her, you can't do that. You need to get rid of the child or you won't have a job. And she was faced with the reality of choosing and counting the cost of her conviction. And she rang her husband, who's an amazing guy, Josh, and she said, look, this is the situation. My work has said, I, if I don't get rid of this child, I don't have a job. And he said, well, I guess you don't have a job. How cool is that? That he was uniquely placed and created to be on the same page. And so he then finished up with his job, went over to Lesotho, and together they started to work with um, just dissolving this problem of the street children that they had. Now, we're not talking about five street kids. We're talking about a lot of street kids. And it was a problem that to most people was seen to be too big to handle, too big to tackle. It's just you'll never just accomplish it all. You can make a difference in this one and that one and that one, but you can never accomplish it all. But they did. They completely eradicated the issue of street children uh, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit in their, their unique, strategic, godly thinking that they were given. And now they run a school where they have kids come and get educated so that they can have a future. And that school is called Sapeo. And some of you would have seen some missions videos that have spoken about that. But Sapeo means purpose. And what they do is they, they, they get these kids and they bring a purpose to their lives. They say, no, you are created uniquely. You do have a purpose for your life. And now they have kids who have been in gangs. They have been through incredible trauma and they come to their school and they help them, they give them life skills, they train them, they educate them so that they have a future. And now um, those kids are going to be the future of Lesotho. Yeah. They are going to be the future of that community, that city and that country because someone intervened with the love of God and just, just loved on them and showed them that they have purpose. I love that. We have Mick in South America, in Bolivia. He went over there as a young man, and God literally just took hold of him and <laughs> shook his whole life up. And he, he was just captured by, by that place. And he went, he went back to Bolivia, and he came across a whole lot of children who had no families. And he went, I've got to do something about this. So he bought a piece of land in the middle of the jungle, and he cleared the land and he built homes. And he took in all these kids. And I remember the first time I met Mick, he said, I'm a single guy with 20 kids. <laughs> He's like, no wonder I'm not married. <laughs> but you know what? It probably took him about a year just to clear that land and, and then build the houses and all that kind of thing. Because he's in the middle of nowhere. It's not like we just ring up and go, oh, hey, I need an excavator. You know, it's just like... He had to do it. He had to do the hard yards. Now those kids, uh, some of them, are they've grown up, they've studied, they've got jobs. They are now the future of their community and their city. 
which is just incredible. And then he has younger ones coming through as well. And he has just given his life. You know, what a unique calling. What an incredible thing that, he, that God took hold of him and he went, this unique thing that he had that he could walk in. You know, in our backyard, we have plenty of unique things that we do and people are involved in, like red frogs, going out and connecting with young people who are, who are lost and they, they're looking so desperately to find what they're looking for, but nothing in this world can fill that gap. And so they go out in difficult conditions and just show the love of Christ. You know, they give them a drink, they give them a vomit bag. It's like these kids are involved in things. And uh, on the Gold Coast, they go down at schoolies and they on the streets talking to these kids, loving on them, sometimes going up to where they are and cleaning up vomit and stuff like that. Just incredible that they have that unique calling to go and meet young people in those places. Uh, the community visitor scheme, where people just are great with the elderly and they can go and visit them. People who are isolated, who don't have friends and family to connect with them. And people are just beautiful. They go in and just provide friendship and companionship. What a unique, beautiful gift to have in your life. There are so many different things that we are involved in as a church. And um, I just think it's fantastic how we, we can hear about all these unique things from our own backyard all the way to across the world where these, these people that God has created so uniquely with such a unique purpose and they can just walk in that and change lives wherever they go. But you know, church, we all have a unique purpose, a unique calling, and we have been born for such a time as this. When we have God in our lives, we have the opportunity every single day to use our uniqueness to be used by God. We are called to our world. Whether we're crossing the oceans, whether we're crossing the country, or whether we are crossing the room, we are called to reach out and make a difference. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you do or what position you hold. It doesn't matter where you live or where you have lived. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You are uniquely positioned to be used by God. Be expectant. Be attentive to the Holy Spirit. If you are willing and obedient, God will use you. Pray something like, God, my eyes and my ears are open to you. Show me who you want me to connect with. Show me who you want me to impact. Give me the words to speak. All we need to do is shine his light and show his love, and God will do the rest. He guides the conversation. We don't need to force anything. We just need to love on people. I had a friend who injured himself, and I went to visit him in hospital. And, you know, my, I knew that my purpose was to go and visit my friend in hospital and encourage him and be kind to him. But what I also know is that that hospital is full of other patients and staff, and I don't know what's going on in their lives. So when I walk in to visit my friend, I know that I am aware that God could use me in that place. 
So I start out, you know, just as the weird lady visiting that guy, right? And in the ward, I, you know, greet the other people and I, you know, connect with them very briefly. And then after a while, I transition from the weird lady to the nice weird lady because now being, you know, we've, we've kind of just got to know each other a little bit more. And when I'm the nice weird lady, I have that opportunity to connect a little bit more, to have more of a conversation, to just engage a little bit more. And, um, and so what I'm doing is I'm just walking in there going, God, I'm going to shine your light and show your love. I'm just going to do what I do naturally in my uniqueness that you have given me, and I know that you will do the rest. So one day I brought coffees in for all the guys. So I just go around, give them their coffees, and they're just like so happy because I don't know if you've ever had a hospital coffee. I think you would have been happy too. But I, I hand them out and then I go, I say hi to the guys and all that. And I go back over to my friend and as I'm standing there, there's a lot of commotion and stuff. I hear the one guy, I can just hear his voice come over and he says, you are shining the light of Jesus in this place. Not a Christian, knows I am because, you know, I don't hide it. And I just thought, wow, wow, a coffee. Yeah, like, and I just looked at him and I smiled and I was like, I was so like, did you just say what I think you said? Like, but you know what? When he's lying in bed at night, when the ward's quiet and no one's there to visit and distract and to talk, I just know the Holy Spirit's working. And he's not thinking about necessarily how good the coffee was. But he's probably thinking about that light of Jesus that got shone into his life. That, that, that's the Holy Spirit's job. It's his job to convict. It's our job to love. So where we see an opportunity, where we see a gap, let's just step in and say, God, this is who I am. This is what I've got. I'm just going to be me, but I'm going to shine your light and I'm going to show your love. And then you can do the rest. I don't think I've got the weird lady label anymore. I think I'm just the nice lady now. But it, it, it brings opportunities for us to then share and be shared with. You know, it just opens a door. It opens the heart. It softens people where they feel comfortable enough then to say, I think you're a safe person. And then they will open up about their lives and share with us. And then we can speak into their lives because they've seen a consistent kindness, a consistent love where they, you're not just going to be a fleeting, yeah, whatever. It's like you actually do really care. So we can grow the kingdom together. We can invest in the kingdom together. And we can produce fruit in the kingdom together. And together we can do more. Imagine if every single one of us got the opportunity every single day to touch people in some way where they go, wow, you, I can see that you're shining the light of Jesus. No matter what their perception of a Christian is, because some people's perception is not good. Some, some Christians have not represented us very well. 
So no matter what their perception is, they can see that we care and that we are shining the light of Jesus. That gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. Let's do our part. Just be who you were uniquely created to be and walk with our creator through this life. The enemy does not want us to impact lives. And he doesn't give up. Can you just imagine what he puts into the minds of some of these missionaries? Can you imagine? I'm sure you can because he's probably done it to you. You're not good enough. You're not educated enough. You're not skilled enough. You're not smart enough. You'll never succeed. You've been forgotten. No one cares about you. You're not going to make a difference. The task is too big. You are nothing. You are too old. You are too young. Whatever he can. And maybe, maybe some of you have had these words spoken over you by some person who should have encouraged you, not discouraged you, should have loved you and protected you. But 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 10 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. We're going to have a, a little bit of a look at a part of David's life. And um, David's got a very interesting life. We could probably do every Sunday for a year just on David's life. <laughs> but we're going to start with a very popular story. We're going to have a look at the, the area where, where David defeats Goliath. And sometimes we think that everything was so wonderful for David when we read the Bible. It's like, it was so cool. It was sunshine and lollipops and rainbows everywhere. And he was leaping through the green fields with the, with the, with the sheep, you know, bouncing around. And as the, as the sheep bounces past him, she looks at him and she has a daisy behind her ear and a smile on her face. And, you know, we just have this this perception that it was easy for these guys. But it wasn't. It wasn't like that. So God tells Samuel to go to David's father, Jesse, and look at all of Jesse's sons. Because Samuel, you are going to anoint one of those sons to be king of Israel. Do you know that every brother was presented except for David? Every brother came forth to be seen except for David. And when God said, no, no, not him, not him, not him. And Samuel said, is there anyone else? Do you have another son? And his father said, yes, the younger, the younger one. You know that the word he used means young and small. It also means unimportant and insignificant. Wow. Yeah. 
But isn't it just like God to use the insignificant to do the significant? You know, David wasn't even presented. He wasn't even considered. And some of you might be feeling insignificant today. But know that you are not insignificant to God. The sting of those words by family and friends, you know, people in our workplace, schools, unis, whatever our life involves, they hurt, but in God we trust. He uses the insignificant to carry out his plans and his will. The Father's heart towards you is not that. You are significant and you are significant in the story of life that he has created you for. David was anointed, and his three oldest brothers went off to fight a war. And the Israelites and the Philistines were each on a hill, and there's a valley between them. And there was a giant named Goliath, who you've probably heard of. And he would shout to to the Israel army, and he would taunt them, and he would challenge them to send out a man to come and fight him. And he said, if you win, we'll become your servants. And if, if, if I win, then you guys become our servants. No one would fight him. No one. It says that the, the Israelite, the Israelite army were terrified. David's father sent him with some supplies and to get a report on how his brothers were doing. David was not positioned to be a hero. David was a messenger. He was running an errand. We're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and he ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and said, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You come down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul said, You are not able to go out and fight this Philistine. 
you are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul said, go, and the Lord be with you. I'm always amazed at that. A king telling a youth, it's okay. You can go fight the giant none of our trained army wants to face. So anyway, the story goes on where Saul tries to give David his arm, and David's like, yeah, no, I can't work in this, takes it off, and he just goes out to fight Goliath. So he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch um, of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, little G gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. The Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword. He drew it from the sheath, and after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shoraim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered the camp. And David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, which was like a common thing they did in those days. And he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent." Amazing. Amazing. I love the story. The thing is, you know, when David was out shepherding the sheep, he was fully aware that there was danger. 
He was fully aware that there were predators roaming and he had to be on the lookout and he probably would have to protect the sheep by attacking a wild animal. He would have been alert and, and positioned where he could protect the sheep and see anything coming. It was part of his purpose to protect the sheep, to lead them where they could feed and rest and, and have water. But when David was asked to take some food to his brothers and bring back a report, there may have been like a time on the journey when he was aware that there may be dangers along the road. But his purpose was to connect with his brothers and deliver some goods. But this is when he faced an incredible uniqueness in his life. We see David cross a, cross a line into an incredible destiny because of this event. Something rose up inside of him when he heard Goliath speaking against God. Something rose up inside of him when he saw trained fighting army men not standing up against Goliath. David had confidence in God because he knew that God had helped him to fight the lion and fight the bear. I can imagine David just being in shock looking around going, what are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> aren't you trained for this? I love David's heart and I love that he was ready to step out and I love that he was a young person who people probably thought was too young to accomplish this. Everyone who looked at him would have thought this was impossible. But today, I want to remind you that our God is the God of the impossible. In fact, the impossible is exactly where God can step in and do a miracle. Once man has done all that man can do, God can step in. When we're in a place where all options are exhausted, God can step in. And we see this giant fall, not by the hand of a trained fighter, but by the hand of a youth who allowed a passion for God to rise up inside of him, and he just stepped out in confidence in God. Because of this shepherd boy, a giant fell and an army fled. It was God using David's uniqueness, and God was glorified. We see that there was a purpose in David's life experience. He was a shepherd, he was a youth, but he had killed the lion and the bear. I'm sure, sure there were men in that army who would have killed a lion and a bear if they had to, but none of them would go out and face Goliath. David experienced that God had rescued him and trusted that God would rescue him again. David was ready in season and out of season. In season, he was with the sheep expecting danger. Out of season, when he went out to his brothers to see how they were going. He wasn't expecting to fight, yet one of the greatest things in his life happened right then. What do you have in your hand that God can use? What is your sling and five stones. Like David, are you facing a lion or a bear or a giant in your life at the moment? Trust that God will rescue you from it. 
Trust that your uniqueness that God has given you, trust God to bring about a miracle, to bring about redemption, a unique solution for you to walk in. Whether in season, whether out of season, be prepared to stand up, step out, say, here I am, use me, work in me, and work through me. Maybe it's a situation that you find yourself in, a health issue, financial issue. Maybe your calling and purpose is in question. Maybe you don't even know what your uniqueness is anymore. Maybe you have concerns about a child or you think you can no longer be used by God. Maybe you think you are too young or too old. But be like David. Focus on this. God will deliver me from and you can fill in the gap. If the band can come. Let's all make a choice to put God where he should be in our lives. The one we can look to to deliver us, to rescue us, to have a passion rise up inside of us, to reignite a calling, a purpose, a uniqueness. Let's go out from here today changed, different to when we walked in, saying, here I am, use me. Whether it's at home, at work, at school, at uni, in a coffee shop, standing in line at the grocery store, encouraging someone who's serving you, speaking to you, or just having him highlight someone who needs a touch from God that you are carrying inside of you. We can all plant a seed. We can all water a seed. But it's always the Holy Spirit's job to convict. We are called to love. And God's supernatural power, love is very powerful. It changes lives. We carry it. Let's allow it to flow through us and out of us wherever we go. Let's be ready in season and out of season. We want to stand with you today in whatever it is that you are facing. Whatever it is you need to stand up against and believe for. We want you to stand up in significance, in your uniqueness. If God can use others who saw as an insignificant shepherd boy, then he can use you and he can use me. You are uniquely significant. If you don't know this God that I've been talking about today, you can. The best decision that you can make is to choose to do life with Him. He created you. Doing life with your Creator is the best option you could possibly have. Journeying with Him in an adventure that He has the plans and purposes for you. So I encourage you to say yes to Him today. And you can talk to someone who brought you, if you have a friend who brought you today. And if you don't, we have some pastors and leaders who'd love to talk to you after the service and pray with you and get to know you and help you on your journey. But right now, the band are going to sing for us. And I'd like us all just to take some time to spend with God. 
If you would like someone to, to stand with you and pray for you, pray over you, please feel free to come up the front. But just think about your significance. Think about your uniqueness. Think about being used by God. Maybe you need to reignite a calling, a plan and purposes. We want to stand with you today. So I encourage you as the band sings, spend some time with him. Allow your thoughts to go to him and allow him to mold you during this time.